Hi there, this is Gary Rogowski for Splinters, the podcast of the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Hope you're doing all right, hanging in there in this time, difficult time. These days just, <laughs> they don't, they don't seem any different. One just blends into another and boy, it's a strange sense of time. Anyway, I'm, I'm working on this book, so I'm going to try this out on you and See how it see how it sounds. This will be the the preamble, the start of start of everything. The day showed itself as fair. What could go ill on such a day as this? Let me tell the story. Perhaps it will help to shed some light on an issue I hold dear. That is creativity. Here it is. It was a sunny afternoon as Jimmy, my beagle, and I set out to stroll home from work. Summer light glowed as the proud late sun started to fall behind the buildings and cast her shadows. We made this trek only once a week, as Jim's pace was, shall I say, measured. He sniffed every corner and pole and puddle. Some blocks we, we hurried through sat a bit gritty. But if we walked straight down to the river, we passed by supply houses, antique stores, and brew pubs crossed over the twin railroad tracks and by the homeless camps under the freeway, to the river byway and our way home. I wondered, would the water be clear and bright today or muddy with rain, sullen and angry with its swollen self? We moved down the slope to it in the sunshine slowly. When we got to the railroad tracks, I looked up for my own thoughts to discover a stopped train in front of us, large, motionless, still. I looked at the train. It did not move. I waited. It stayed quiet. I looked north to the train yard. The cars were all frozen up north. I looked south. All clear and sunny, but with a train glued to the tracks. Now, these tracks, and therefore the rail cars on them, were raised up about a foot or more off the rock bed that lined the roadway. In front of us stretched a flatbed car. To the beagle I pronounced, Jim, it's sunny, and here's a flat car right here. How about we get up there and have us a seat and look around? I lifted Jimmy up about as high as my shoulders and set him on the rail car where he cruised around the wooden deck to check it out. Then I grabbed the handles of the short ladder at the car end and got one leg up so high and rung that my knee just about pushed me in the face as I hoisted myself on board. I found a spot with the sun on my back and sat with my legs off the edge of the car and stared at the closest warehouse we had just passed. Its wall was colored with messages from boys while trash and old tires, broken glass, and empty bottles splashed across the roadway rocks beneath my feet. I didn't care. I felt good sitting up there on the rail car in the sunshine. Jim came up wondering where his treat was for sitting up there with me. Reaching into my shirt pocket, I found some lint there for him first. Then I rooted out the tiniest morsel and said as I held out my hand, Don't bite me. He bit me, but only a little on my fingertips, as if to say to me, See, I can be good, but I still have my teeth. We both sat for a time before I got bored with the view and looked at the other side of this flatbed, where, what do you know, there was another stop train about ten feet away from us I hadn't even noticed. I had been so busy conquering the one train that I hadn't seen pass it to the second one that sat there just as motionless. I made myself another seat and stared at that train for a short time before Jimmy got bored now. He wanted to check out things on the ground, but wouldn't jump because he knew it was too high. 
but he was making ready to take the leap, moving back and forth with anxious pause. I told him to hang on. It was even further down to the ground on this side between the two tracks, too high for me to jump down, so I found the ladder on the other side and hauled myself over and down onto the rocks. I reached up for Jim as he jumped into my arms and set him down. There we stood in a canyon made by two giant trains. They stretched off north and south to the poles. That sky couldn't have been any more boxed in. Up and down the tracks, the air was still and silent. It lay in the shadows of the buildings and the great trains. I stood and listened to the quiet. The first train to my left, second on my right. Two enormous rows of cars stretching out into the distance, and not a giant. Not a one of them stirred. The impatient part of me thought to myself, how long is this going to last? What if we crawl under the second train to our road home? We could be waiting here for hours. Now, this idea was tempting, but you never knew about trains. Out here in the middle of the line, they didn't have whistles, only at the engine, which I couldn't see. So if the train was going to move, and we were under it, we would have to move fast or get crushed like a grape and a dog. I threw out that idea. If it did move, it wouldn't be pretty for us. Better safe than bang! That train on my right jerked just then, and the coupler engaged, and the car in front of us moved. Holy crap! Jim was about three feet away when another coupler clapped his grip, and two or three more of them banged and clanged enough to start the train to traveling south, like it meant business getting out of town. The cars moved like they'd been pulling at their leash, and now the engineer said, Okay, you can go. And they took off slow at first, but they picked up speed quick as they pulled their load. The Beagle and I stepped back from them to let them go by. Flat car was going to be a little hard to get back on top of, so I thought, we're okay. We'll just stand right here and wait a little bit for the train to go by. Bang! The train to my left came to life, headed north for the train yard. We were now in what I would call a predicament. Holy moly, I grabbed Jimmy because I understood all too clearly that we are now trapped between two moving lines of rail cars that towered over us that seemed 20 feet tall because we stood in a gully between the two of them, and if we moved much to one side or the other, we could get clipped and thrown under a car. Not good. The first train moved fast south, and the second train started to pull its cars north, and in a short, breathless moment, the second train moved as fast north as the first train rolled fast south, which when you're on the sidewalk and a ways away from any train, it seems to be moving, but not that fast. But here we were two or three feet away from one train, and the same away from the other because it was the distance of the track that always seemed far apart. But when they had rail cars on these tracks, those cars hung out over them, so now the distance was very small. And if you were in the middle of these cars, moving south and north, and had a beagle in your arms, well, you weren't scared necessarily, but you sure had a lot to think about all at once, like not falling over or letting a dog jump out from your arms, because he was scared, even if you weren't and you had to watch both trains speeding by in two different directions all at once, a few feet away from us. I knew that if Jim panicked and jumped out of my arms, he was a goner. So I held on to him and kept whispering into his ear, I got you, Jim. It's okay. We're good. We're okay. Just stay here. We're all right. We're good. I got you. And it seemed like each second was an hour, and each minute a lifetime between those moving cars and their ladders sticking out hoping to knock us down. What can you do? Pay very close attention. Whoosh! All of a sudden, the southbound train whooshed out of sight, bound for glory. Revealed the building standing behind it. Whoosh! And the world changed, and I moved us as quick across the tracks as I could. 
Well, the northbound train kept moving and clattering and banging and clanking, and we got to the corner of the building and the sidewalk, and it whooped a weak little whoop. Whoo, Jim, we dodged a bullet, I proclaimed. We dodged a bullet, buddy. Jim agreed and then went back to sniffing the corner of the building and sidewalk for messages. What a relief to be free of those two monsters. What a relief. Now, it seems to me that I would have learned a lesson or seven from this, but I don't think I did. It was just another adventure, only this time I'd put us in it instead of the Beagle doing it. But it made me think as I was writing about how we sometimes get stuck between our business and our life. I mean, those were two trains and both had as much power and speed once they got going to impress the hell out of me and Jim. But imagine this is me when I was a young man. And one train is headed south to sunny climbs and adventure and the other is moving back to the yard for business, to take care of business. And there I was. This knucklehead stuck between the two of them like I had put myself there on purpose. Which I had. But I had the sense at least to wait, to be patient, and then make my move. And as parables go, it's not the best one. I'm a poor magician. But it seems to me anyways that we get caught between our futures at some time or another in our life. And one train is headed in one direction, and the other points in the exact opposite way. And I stood there shaking between the two of them, one to decide which way to go, but not knowing. Those boxcars were loud and noisy. It represented everything, like business and career and responsibility and doing everything I should be doing like I was taught to do. And the other is going somewheres, and maybe I would hop that train to who knows where. Maybe it's the right move, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's nothing at all, but there I am, right in the middle of things, waiting, waiting for a sign. What you going to do? I am a poor magician, to use this analogy of the train. This whoosh as it clears the track and your direction becomes clear. But I am reminded of my life and when I stood between two rushing directions, my obligations and my desires. The trains reminded me of my life, the time whooshing by. And when you stand and look at them as they stand still, they are impressive and tall. But when they start to move, when your life starts to pick up speed and rush by it, it is more than a bit frightening, a bit much to handle. And it goes by fast. It goes by fast. The best I could do was hold on to the things I loved the most and hope that I chose right. And maybe this is how some folks always look at life, stuck between two trains pointed in opposite directions, the sky just a little patch of blue between walls closing them in. And these trains take off and your life takes off, they go fast. How can you choose a direction when you can't see far enough ahead to know which future is right? I have a solution, I think. One that can help you no matter your course. Get out and try things you've never done before. Start to develop the what-if side of your brain. Use your curiosity. Learn to fail. These are skills that you can develop. Practice your creativity. That was quite a day. True story. Quite a day. Me and the Beagle. And I'm trying to think how I can get started on this book of mine on creativity because I think it's an important subject here as we sit trying to fill our days, some of us, fill our time. It's important to end the day and, and not say, what did I do? <laughs> not have an answer. It's important. I don't know if you'll take any comfort from my words. I hope so. It's uh, We're stuck in this spot. We just got to wait it out. Anyways, thanks very much for listening. Um, just dithering on. That's me. Just dithering on.
Take care of yourselves. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. I'm be I'm putting more stuff up on YouTube these days. Uh, so please check that out. And I'm hoping very soon to be uh, producing some videos for subscription. We'll talk more about that later. Take care. Bye-bye.